poets, pickers, writers, ringers, acrobats and opera singers, Macca's Magic Mix. Hey, Stu Davis here in Alice Springs. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, Stu. On my way to work, so far, I'll give you a ring. It's going to be a hot, sunny day, 44 degrees, so you best put a jacket on, I think. I live in uh, South Australia. I just fly in and fly out up here working, 25 on, 10 off. Yeah, I've been here, oh, 16 years now. My wife and my daughter. Yeah, how, been... how, how come, Stu? Oh, we just fancied, fancied a change, so we uh, sold everything we owned in England and landed in Adelaide in 2003 with two suitcases, and that was it. Started again from scratch. And there you are in Alice Springs. Who'd have thought? It's a long way from Lancashire, mate. Yeah, a little bit warmer as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I was, when I was driving then, I've just made up a little rhyme and I'd like to share it with you if I can. Yeah, go for it. Driving through this hot land full of dust and smoke, this little Tommy fella feels like a true blue Aussie bloke. <laughs> you have a great day and I'll catch you later on, eh? Good on you. Bye. Wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. They've been carting water, feeding sheep, and chopper pilots don't get much sleep. We won't forget this smoky, long, hot summer. The family's scattered all around Oz, but that don't matter on Sunday, because we're all together, Australians, on Sunday morning. I start my week with Macca on Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Wasn't that fantastic? Driving through this hot land, this little Aussie, uh, Pommy bloke. <laughs> I loved it. Stuart. That was Stuart. He was in the Alice. He comes from uh, from Adelaide and he flies in and flies out. Uh, 1300 700 222. That's our number this morning as um, rain and drought and fires uh, ravage Australia, as usual, I suppose, in the summer months. But um, it was ever thus. But... Um, Fires in Tassie and fires in Gippsland and uh, just out of Melbourne in uh, Victoria and, of course, North Queensland, uh, Townsville, Cairns, around the Isa, around there, and uh, and the drought's still with us too. Uh, amazingly, the people who grow fruit and vegetables still manage to get it done. I had some beautiful muscatels the other day, beautiful muscatels. And I thought they may have come from out St George Way. Remember David rang us from time to time about his muscatel grapes? I meant to go out there this year, but I suppose the season for muscatels is probably finished now. And uh, I had some great cherries too. I don't know where they were from, probably from Townsville. But the cherries, as as my friend Robert, the late Robert Borlase used to say, where does the good fruit go? And especially now more than ever. But these cherries were just Superb! They look like those Rons. Remember, we were in um, we were in Young in New South Wales doing our program, and the lady came in and talked about Rons and told us the the history of Rons. It was Ron who grew <laughs> grew those lovely, big, beautiful, and flavourful cherries. They were just the best I've had all season. Um, they can be average, but these were just beautiful. And peaches and nectarines are oh, just absolutely the best. Um, on the program this morning, lots of things, and a little uh, a little later, um, this. Look, I appreciate the fact more than anybody and have reported on the fact more than anybody that there is an underbelly to racing. As I said, there's always somebody looking for an edge, a trainer looking for an edge, gamblers looking for an edge, jockeys looking for an edge. That's racing. You get a better bet at the races than you'll get at a poker machine, than you'll get at a casino. And I'll say this, you'll get a fairer go at the races and you'll get on the stock exchange. That 
that's the story. And our number this morning is 1300 700 Love to talk to you wherever you are. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. Colin from Townsville. How are you going? Oh, g'day, Colin. Yeah, um, I spoke to a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was out at Julia Creek talking about the weather and the rain and whatever. Well, the following weekend, which was just last weekend, um, it, it was drizzling a little bit. Um, I got back in after my third trip on Wednesday and um, I took some photos which, um, which I put out to you and, and sent them on via... Um, oh, Uber. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. you, you rang us a couple of weeks ago and you said um, there wasn't a blade of grass in the paddocks because you'd been That's out uh, Julia Creek. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you could uh, you could row a boat out there now. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping everyone's safe, but uh, I won't go to work for probably a week or more, or maybe maybe yeah, a couple of weeks. I don't know, but um, it's just. I mean, I'm where I'm sitting at the moment. I live in Dirigan, and uh, the water yesterday rose with the tide, the high tide come in, and that's due in another couple of hours again. So I mean, it'll back up again, and and then it'll recede once that starts going out. So. But it's still raining here, and it has been since Wednesday when I knocked off last week. So yeah, a thousand. Uh, uh, yeah, I think a thousand mils at least. Oh, but yeah, I, I don't know where you, you can't believe what's on Facebook all the time anymore. You know, yeah. There's a lot of people trying to get up the local council about not having a proper emergency plan, but it's only what you get up and do yourself. I mean, if you can sit there and have a look on, on Facebook and get up and down and some sandbags, you know. Exactly. But, uh, and yeah, it, was, yeah. it was only the other day that, uh, when I say the other day, virtually, that uh, Townsville was short of water. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. I mean, but with, with this once again, I mean, people are starting to say that the, um, uh, when the water restriction is going to be lifted. Well, that's not, the, that's not the issue at the moment. The issue is making sure everybody's safe and up out of the water and, you know, elderly are looked after. And anyway, it's, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. But it's still raining at the moment in, in bursts of sort of every half hour or so. It just comes down like billio and um, it'll pitter off a bit for a bit and then another half hour later it'll come back with another burst, you know. so it's, um, yeah, yeah, and and when you have weather events, whether it be a drought, although a drought's a, a long-standing thing, or but, you know, bushfires and, and, and yeah. especially floods... Um, and all, all the plans go out the window, especially when you, when it starts to really rain or you really get huge bushfires with 40-degree days. It's, yep. it's very hard to plan for those things, uh, Colin, isn't yeah. it? Well, there is, there is, an, there is an, um, a thing you could use. You know, you, you can't go back to the book and read the book. You've just got to act as you do. But, um, I mean, most of the people are staying off the roads and whatever. Uh, the shops have got no food in them and, and everything. Uh, uh, there was trucks got through, delivered, and within hours there was mass panic. Old mate was putting the sausages on the shelves yesterday in Coles down at Derrigan, and in the end he didn't bother, he just opened the boxes. <laughs> People were grabbing them out of the boxes from him. So. But, um, yeah. Anyway. How long have you lived in Townsville, Colin? Um, I did 15 months a while ago, and we've just come back in September this year from Darwin when we moved down. So, yeah, We'll probably be here for a good couple of years at least. Again, we live in our caravan here, so we go wherever the work is. Yeah, good on you, Colin. Thanks yep. for your call, mate. And uh, uh, I'll see you sometime this year in uh, in Townsville. Hopefully, if you're around, I'll look forward to it, mate. All right, good Thank on you. Then, see you, mate. Thanks. Bye bye. Rowan's in Canberra. Morning, Rowan. Guy Ian, how are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, thirty-one. It's going to be thirty-one here today, so heating up a bit. 
Mm. We've had a nice couple of days with the first cricket te- our first cricket test in 146 years. That's so, right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been uh, it's been uh, quite a good. Have you been to that? Did you go? Yeah, I went on the first day. Yeah, I, ha- I had a. I got, got. I normally go to the Sydney test, but I ended up uh, deferring that this year and going to the one here. And it was uh, it, it, it was a slow start, but we, we got there in the end. Joe Burns got a century about three quarters of the way through the day. So, yeah, he's a good yeah. player. He should have always been there, I reckon, Joe Burns. Oh, but anyway, well, that's that's what happens, you know. Yeah, Even. Uh, uh, true. Well, was, uh, a few other Queensland players, I thought, um, Love, he should have been playing for Australia. I reckon he was a great player. Um, yeah. What, what was his first name? Um, Martin Love. Martin yeah. Love. He was a good, yeah, what a good right. player he was. I think he played a few tests, but he could have played some more as far as I was uh, No, concerned. that's true. Yeah. But Joe Burns, it was great, great to see him get a, a century. No, no, no. He, he deserves his place there and he'll be off to the ashes, I assume, based yeah. on the outcome of that. So. <laughs> so what do you do, Rowan? Uh, I'm a recreational historian. One, I'm a lawyer by profession, but I'm actually a recreational historian. And I was ringing you about the um, Australia's involvement in the uh, 50th anniversary of the uh, Apollo moon landing in July this year. Uh-huh. Um, I'm giving a couple of lectures as part of the Australian Cattle Territory Heritage Festival, one on Island Lagoon, which was our first deep space tracking station at Woomera in South Australia. And uh, my father actually worked at the Woomera Rocket Range. He, uh, he commanded the Guided Missile Research Unit out there back in '66, uh, um, and also about doing a lecture about John Colvin, who was the Melbourne ophthalmologist who developed the anti-glare glasses for the Apollo program. Wow! Um, without any comp, he, he didn't have a contract with NASA. He developed some anti-glare glasses for the RAF, and then took it upon himself to develop them for the Apollo program and. Uh, sent them off to uh, sent them off to NASA and they accepted them and then they were used by the Apollo astronauts and I think all John Colvin ended up with was a nice signed framed photograph that he had up in his rooms in Melbourne. <laughs> so it's it's one of those great there. Uh, and I'm looking for anyone that was might, might have worked out at Island Lagoon actually um, who could possibly uh, might be interested in providing me with some oral histories of what was happening out there because it's pretty much. Uh, pretty much untold and undocumented and uh, I'm I'm trying to right that wrong in the year of the 50th anniversary and just showing how what what a prominent role Australia played in that in that endeavor what a great story that is Rowan um, and when you talked about uh, John Colvin no yes. it, I'm always amazed at, at the ingenuity of people and and there's a I've got this somebody I don't know who put it up on my wall about uh, Einstein who Einstein said the more we rely on technology in our conversations we'll end up with a generation of idiots because and and putting people on the moon and stuff we didn't need computers and people thought about things they had training of course in maths or they were good yes. at maths and engineering but they worked it out, you know, like your mate John yeah. Colvin with the with the glasses. Just little possums going about their work and just getting it done, you know, just um, doing, yeah. doing wonderful things. They didn't have to have spreadsheets and do it on computers. No. Or, um, and, and I suppose he's passed away now, has he, John Colvin? Yeah, 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 he has. Um, he, was a, he was a RAF reservist as well, but I think what you say is quite true. I call him a, a space altruist. In that, in that he did, he didn't, he didn't have a, he didn't have a contract with NASA. He just saw, he just saw there might be a need for this thing, got on and did it, and then, and then given, you know, that was back in the days where there was a lot, where the science was a sort of a community-based thing. Uh, NASA, NASA accepted them, and then, and then they were used. 
You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's one of those things where, you, as you say, there's, there's no need for spreadsheets and things like that. Someone who has the, the ability to do something just did it off their own off their own bat without any uh, upfront compensation, and, and, and it turned out to be vital for the for the Apollo program. And I think uh, Einstein's point is that the more you rely on other things to do your work, the less you're using your brain and training your brain to be, you know, because when when push comes to shove, it's it's, it's down to yourself. And the more training you've had in solving, it's, it's the old problem. You've got a problem and you're in the middle of nowhere, you've got to solve it, and, and some people yeah. can. And uh, uh, I, I think that's part of the Australian spirit myself. So I think John Colvin uh, epitomises that. And his role in, uh, you know, in one of the greatest achievements of humankind um, needs to be uh, retold. And that's one of the things that I aim to do back in April. Well, good on you. And keep in touch. Um, if yeah, anyone, well. if, I'll get them to get in touch with you. We went yep. out, we did our program at uh, at Woomera. Oh, I don't yes. know when it was. Um, look, 15, 20 years ago, maybe. Um, yes. And we saw some of the, the old... Um, Tracking cameras that tracked, yeah. I suppose, rockets and jindaviks or whatever, and yeah, um, amazing place out there. Yeah, now, well, as I said, my father was posted out there for, for the art because he was an artillerist, artilleryman, and he was posted out there because rocketry was the artillery sort of moved into rocketry in the sixties. Mm. So the family was out there, but I wasn't born then. I was born the year they came back, and then he went off to Vietnam uh, for his tour after after he'd been at uh, Woomera. Rowan, um, we'll talk again. Um, it's a wonderful thing that you do, and that's uh, in April. Where, whereabouts will that be? Your talks? Oh, uh, that'll be. They'll be in the Gungar uh, in the Gungarland Community Library conference room uh, in the ACT on the April the fourteenth, Sunday the fourteenth, and Sunday the twenty eighth of April. So All not, right. Not, not letting Easter. Uh, everyone can have their Easter celebrations and uh, <laughs> and come and hear me either side of that if they if they want to learn part of us. You know. Little told stories of Australians in space. Good on you, Rowan. Great to All talk, right. mate. Right, thanks, Ian. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hello, Michael. It's Bill from Gosford. G'day, Bill. How are you? I'm good, thank you. That's the way. I ran up to uh, 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 nine days' time, I'll be 90. Uh huh. And I shattered myself a Christmas present. I jumped at a skydive, one of those uh, tandem skydives. I mean, I did it first, but I done it early, Mecca. When did you do it? On the 24th of December. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, it's not for everyone, Bill, but you, you wanted to do it, obviously, did you? Well, I, I, I saw the same. My wife's got my my wife's still even been married sixty six years. Last June, and she's she does a little bit of this uh, yoga and all that stuff. Yeah, I saw this saying: to overcome your greatest fear, confront it. And my greatest fear was heights. So I thought well, there was nothing better than getting over is to go and have a skydive. So I had a tandem skydive with a with a big guy, and uh, I, I've got to admit to Macker, I was terrified. But when it was over, I, uh, the free fall for 60 seconds, where it's 15,000 feet, yeah. and 
when I was, it was four, four of myself in in the plane and four instructors that were tied, that I hooked up to, yeah. and I was second out, and I, it, it sort of slowed. I was inside of the plane, and I was just like inside of a, a container. I think and I was sitting on the floor, and he he pushes it. Pushed me when it's my turn to go. He pushes me towards the uh, opening of the plane, and I'm uh, sitting there, sitting there with my feet dangling out. Uh, <laughs> He's ready to go, and he said, "You're right, Bill." And I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I'm cool, but I was terrified." So he was very full for uh, sixty seconds, Macca. What was that like? The longest minute of my life. <laughs> And he, and he, then he, then he, after that, he's, he's, I'm, I'm trying to look, look, not look down to see how far up in the air I was. And then, the, <laughs> and he's, 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 he's uh, when, when, the, when we opened the chute, and we just floating around all over Lake Macquarie and all that, it was absolutely beautiful. I started to get a bit, you know, you sit, the harness that I'm, I was attached to, it's sort of, it's sort of like sitting in a chair. Yeah. And when we landed, we landed like a feather. It didn't even, couldn't even, I never, just a little bump and we're on the ground. And you want to do it again now, right? <laughs> I'm doing it, I'm doing, doing it again on the <laughs> So I couldn't do it on my birthday. Yeah. This is Billy, yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, well, when I, when I come, when I, when I go home, and I, I showed the kids, I give you a little memory stick or whatever they call them. Yeah. And, uh, he's got a, a camera on his arm, and he's, he's taking these photos, uh, uh, GoPro or something. I think they yeah. call it. So, so I, they go. I had to wait there. About half an hour afterwards, all over, and while I develop all this. But do you reckon then, it's worthwhile doing, Bill? Uh, it's worthwhile. It's not. It's worthwhile in this way, Macca. I'm gonna. I, I, when I was home, I, I went to thought about it, and I thought I could do something. <laughs> a couple of good friend of mine died of prostate cancer, so I've got. We got on the. I've got, I've got a computer. I've muck around. I've taught myself how to use a computer. I've got, in, I've got the Cancer Council. Mm. I've got all the papers. Now I'm, I'm qualified to collect money or whatever they call it. Well, good I, on you. And I didn't want. I, did, I didn't want to do cans, uh, collection cans, mate. I wanted to do something. So I'm, now I'm doing it on the on the twelfth of March. I'm doing another one from the same place. Of course, I'm doing it for charity. They're going to they sponsor me, and it costs me nothing for the, for the skydive. There you go. Which, now, Bill, Bill, are you still afraid of heights, or did you confront your fears and beat them, or what? I can't get up a ladder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't, I can't I, get up a ladder. But I'll be better. I'll be better. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a lot better this time. <laughs> All right. Now I've done it. Well, yeah. I'm not. I'm telling you this, Bill. I'm not going with you. Okay. 
Well, I've looked at the Dick Smith, I've, you know, I've, I've written Dick Smith's uh, story on Wikipedia or Wikipedia or whatever they call it. Yeah, he's we, done everything. Yeah. Oh, there, but I don't think he's ever done a skydive. No, he probably hasn't. I was going to, I'm looking for sponsors. I was, I was wondering how I could get out of it. What I'm doing, Michael, while I'm talking to you. Yeah. Um, my oldest daughter said, I've got a pacemaker. I've had a pacemaker since 97. I'm coming up for my third one. It's a wonder you, Bill, it's a wonder you didn't have a heart attack when you're sitting with your legs dangling. I mean, we're all cringing here. We're just thinking about it. <laughs> the wind was 200 kilometres an hour. God help me. Bill, <laughs> Bill, go and do the gardening. It's much, although you could get bitten by a spider or something, I suppose. Anyway, go on. Um, uh, well, uh, uh, um, this is I've got I've got vertigo too. And, uh, <laughs> I know you're afraid of heights. Yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> Bill. You can't get up a ladder. Yeah, yeah, but I've, I can walk on flat ground, maker. Oh, good on you. But, but I can't. I can't walk on sloping ground. Oh, I've got, still got a full driving license, and I consider myself so lucky at my age that I should be able to do something for someone that's not. Uh, that's why that's why I'm doing it for this uh, this jump for the cancer council. Good on you, Billy. This is up around Gosford and Lake Macquarie, is it? Yeah, up in New South Belmont. Wales. Pelican, Belmont, New South Wales. There yeah. you go. All right, Billy. Good on you, mate. Good luck. Um, uh, I'm not coming with you, as I said. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm the agent now. I'm, I said if you can tell six down on Central Coast. <laughs> You can have one. The next one's free. All right. I can't, I can't find anyone that's game. Oh, exactly. They're not that silly, Billy. But anyway, go for it, mate. All right. Confront your fears. <laughs> I've confronted them, Macca. See you, Bill. Thanks a lot, Macca. Bye now. Oh, the owner told Clarence the clocker. And the clocker told Jockey McGee The jockey, of course, passed it on to the horse And the horse told me Ah, the racing game. As many of you now know, Australia's leading racehorse trainer, Darren Weir, has been issued with a number of charges by Racing Victoria after a two-year investigation relating to the use of jiggers or electronic devices in his training facilities. Horse racing and controversy go hand in hand. Racing journalist Max Presnell knows all about it, having covered the sport of kings for 60 years. The jockey, of course, passed it on to the horse, and the horse told me. I'm talking to long-time racing journalist Max Presnell. Max, you've seen this all before, haven't you? Trotting, greyhounds, racing, it seems to come and go all the time. What is it about racing and, and the sport of kings that attracts all sorts of people from all sorts of life backgrounds? Macker, it's the punt. I suppose you could say it's greed. Because ever since the Biley Turk, man has been trying to find a way to make racehorse or thoroughbred go faster. And, and that's, that's the point here. Now, you, you mentioned also standard breads, which trotters and paces, and dogs, greyhounds. Yeah, but th- the same thing applies. We're, we're trying to get the best out of them, particularly when the money is on. Now, racing has evolved because once upon a time, you got your money out of racing, out of backing a winner. You had to have 
the horse ready for the chosen day and to get your price. Now racing is, is geared more to prize money, more to statistics. A lot of the desperation has gone out of racing. Of course, trainers are always looking for that edge to get the best out of a horse in a given day. But going back to the good old days, like trainers had to set a horse for a race, they not only had to have it 100%, but they had to get their price. And there's an old saying in racing, steal a man's wife, yes, we might forgive you, but never steal a man's price because that'll never be forgiven. Now, you've written, recently written a book called Good Losers, Die Broke, and you've got a chapter in there about jiggers. Explain this to the punting public and the non-punting public. What's, what's been going on? Well, a jigger is a galvanic device. It's a battery. In the good old days, it looked like a matchbox and it had a bit of tape around it and there there were triggers there, but it was a battery that would inflict a shock on a horse when placed on a horse's neck. Now, that was the the old hand jigger, which is used in track gallops, and uh, let's say a track rider would roar in a track gallop and whoosh and roar at a horse over the last furlong in a gallop, and then he'd hit the horse with a jigger and give it a shock. The horse would get a shock, bang, and it'd take off maximum performance. Now, in a race, a jockey... Well, put it this way, in more recent decades, jockeys wouldn't have a jigger, but they would roar at the horse and the animal would think it was going to get struck by lightning and it'd take off. The Pavlov dog sort of thing. Yeah, but see, see, the point is to don't think that you can get a slow horse and hit it with a jigger and make it fast. You can only make a horse go as fast as nature intended it to go. But where the, the benefit of the jigger was seen in some horses was if a horse wasn't doing its best, if it was sluggish, it didn't want to be there, a jigger would liven it up. Now, there were a lot of horses that have the adverse effect on it. And after you used a jigger too much on a horse, well, they become really... They they just didn't... They said, are you joking? There's a horse... I won't mention its name. You know, I think he got hit that many times with a jigger. Like, at the end of the the track, they turn around and say to the jockey, now, you've got to be kidding, haven't you? (laughs) But, see, with everything else in racing, it's how macker it's applied. And, you know, really, I don't want to cast aspersions on, on, on any trainers, but, you know, some train they'd use it adroitly. But going back, oh, 20, 30 years ago, it was a, a trainer's tool. And I'm not making excuses from them. They're highly illegal, cruel. They can say, they're, I, I can't get away from that. But they're a trainer's tool. But now, really, trainers were desperate then to get their price to get their money, and we're talking about starvation here and debt collectors, you know, bloodhounds barking at your heels. They were desperate. Now trainers are more businessmen. The desperation has gone out of the game to a major degree. Yes, they've got to produce results. Yes, they've got to be good at it. But uh, I thought the, I don't want to sound like a pun, I thought the battery was going a bit flat, but I just wonder now, well, there you are. Everything's evolving, and again, there's a lot of pressures on trainers. Did I read years ago, 40 years ago, that um, sometimes they had a battery in their whip or in the handle of the whip or yeah, something like that? that definitely. Bat- uh, battery in the handle of the whip. Look, they're electric saddles. They're activated saddles. There were saddles that were geared to electricity, and, but that was in races. And there was also the, the, the remote control saddle. Now, about 1969, I wrote a story about uh, which I termed a magic carpet in which there was a saddle that was geared for electricity, but somebody in the grandstand can activate it. So, and dead set... And, True, was it? 
Hey, would, would, I, would I pull your leg? Would I lie to you? Macca, yeah, dead set. Look, it's, it's, it's all there. It goes into grey. Look, I'm not plugging good losers die broke, but I go into greater detail there. But I, I, when I wrote this, that was the reaction I got. And a very good friend of mine, he was a QC, he said, hey, Max, this is a bit fanciful. You could be charged, you know, on the civil courts of creating a public mischief. I said, Tony, cut it out. But, but that's how fanciful... It sounded. And then when you looked at it and you said, well, here is a jockey on a racehorse and you've got some clown in the grandstand that wants to activate the saddle. So you don't know where you are. You don't know how the horse is going to react. Now, the jockey had to be mad. Anybody involved had to be mad. Greed kicked in. And like you know, that, the whole thing is, but subsequently... There's a horse called Smashing Blonde. You know what happened? They found a saddle at, at I think it was Rose Hill one morning, uh, and there it was, geared for action, remote control action. So it was there. They, they were trialling these saddles, and, and uh, some jockeys were seriously injured in track gallops. And fortunately, I think they were never used in a race. But uh, whips, the butts of whips, even towards the end of his long career, John Shrek always checked the butt of a whip. He said not only for, 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 for nail, anything that might have been sharp, but also always on the lookout for, for gear of battery. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as I'm talking to Max Presnell, his eyes are lighting up when he's talking about racing. It's a colourful game. It always has been. There's always things about racing that delight you. The people and the way they dress, it's it's a magic, magic place, isn't it, a race course? Well, it is to me, Macca. It is to me. It, it's not my job. It's my passion. It's my life. And there's nothing better, no place in the world I would rather be apart, of course, from family necessities, than on a Saturday at the race course. There was a time I could find uh, three or four days a week to go to the races, and that that was like a heaven. But look, Saturday, (laughs) you can't miss Saturday at the races. Look, I appreciate the fact more than anybody and have reported on the fact more than anybody that there is an underbelly to racing. As I said, there's always somebody looking for an edge, a trainer looking for an edge, gamblers looking for an edge, jockeys looking for an edge. That's racing. Look, it's painted, particularly in the current outburst, as being corrupt. You get a better bet at the races than you'll get at a poker machine, than you'll get at a casino. And I'll say this, you'll get a fairer go at the races than you'll get on the stock exchange. Max Presnell, good luck. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Max. The jockey, of course, passed it on to the horse, and the horse told me. It is the same old story at any old track. Whether Saratoga, Narragansett, Lincoln Fields, Hialeah, Belmont Park, Arlington Park, Hollywood Park, Farmington, hey, don't forget Belmont. Sandown, me. Wolfordville, Ascot. <laughs> Morning, Macca. This is Rosalind down in the Huon Valley in Tasmania. How are you going? Oh, good, thanks, Rosalind. How are you going? More to the point. Oh, look. Um, it's an interesting time and I'm just calling because I really want to give a, a great shout out and a word of thanks to all the amazing people that have been doing, working tirelessly around the clock just to keep us safe. And um, it's uh, everyone's exhausted, everyone's on overdrive and we've had fireys, police, the water bombers have been working in my area for the last three days, you know, eight hours at a stretch. And um, we're just so grateful. We can't thank them enough. Chopper pilots don't get much sleep, do they? No, not not when you see them for seven and eight hours dipping into all the dams around here. Just no breaks, no stops, sort of, you know, it, it's just incredible. And 
it just I've only moved to this area sort of in the last four years and you really realise what community is when things like this happen. Oh, it's, well, yeah, always good things come out of bad, Roz. Um, uh, and how's the how's the Huon Valley look at the moment? Oh, I can't see. I, yes, I can't even see past my front veranda at the moment. Mm. So we're expecting a shocker today, but um, no doubt I'll hear the choppers flying overhead very soon, and they'll be back to doing what they do. And um, it's just to say thank you because a lot of people who have businesses in the valley have put down their work and taken up the volunteer role and we're just so incredibly grateful. Good on you, Roz. Thanks for the call. Um, we'll you see- have a good day and we'll see you in the Huon Valley. Everyone say a prayer for us. Yeah, we'll do. Good on you, Roz. Bye. Bye. Hello, it's Glenda. How are you going? Good, thanks, Glenda. I'm just about to pull into my son's property yard at Kyogle and I thought I'll give Mac a ring and tell him what we're doing today. Good on you. It's so dry over here. We just carted over about 750 kilos of um, sweet potatoes to feed his cattle. It's just terrible, Macca. And where do you get the sweet potatoes from, Glenda? We actually live over um, in the middle of the sweet potato country at um, Dramba, mm. Kudjan. Yeah. We usually just feed our cattle around there. We get the seconds. But it's so dry over at um, Kyogle. We're cutting them over there to feed the cattle. And Kyogle's not normally a dry place. It's usually um, very, um, well, not very, but often lovely and green and lush. Good dairy country. Well, has yeah. Been. Yeah, it has been. But I tell you what, we're exper- experiencing some um, dry times over here. We got some rain at home last night, which is um, over at near Kingscliff. But, but we had a few sprinkles coming across the land. This morning, but it's nothing. We need heats, and you hear about Townsville getting in it. I wish they could send some down. It's not fair, is it? No, that's how it is, but that's what Australia's like, isn't it? Yeah, land of droughts and flooding rains. Yeah, so, but anyway, I just thought I'd um, let you know what we're doing. And Good on you, 750 kilos of sweet potatoes, and they, they thrive on that, do they? Oh, they do. Our cattle do very well on sweet potatoes at home, but <laughs> yeah, it's a long way to cart it across here. But when things are desperate, you do things like that to um, keep your cattle in good condition. Yeah, I'll, so, sa- I'll say. Uh, does it? Yeah. Uh, and these are, are these dairy cattle or just? No, just um, they're Angus cattle, just beef cattle. I, I but want... we're hoping for some good rain because of. Um, well, this is the year that uh, this is the time of the year we get our wieners ready, and um, hopefully it will rain before a big um, store sale on the fifteenth of March that will send a heap to uh, kick the price along. Yeah, well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you, Glenda? Um, yeah. All right. So, and you live around uh, Cudgeon, do you? Yeah, Cudgeon. Cudgeon, <laughs> sorry, Cudgeon, Cudgeon. Yeah, no, that's it, it's just at the back of um, Kings Close. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty right. good country, but. Pretty dry at the moment. Yeah, we'll all need a good drop of rain, except um, if you're in North Queensland, eh? Yeah, that's right. So, But we won't be complaining if we get plenty of rain. No, no, you can't complain. No. Uh, puts a smile on the face. Good on you, Glenda. All right. Thanks, Michael. Enjoy the show. Thank, See ya. Thank you. Bye.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.